Hey guys, this is Ryan from Bible Dingers, and today we have a very special episode. We just went through the books of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. These are pastoral epistles that talk a lot about um, church organization and church leadership. And so because of that, we wanted to take some time to discuss the complementarian versus egalitarian points of view of the scripture. And in this episode, we have a friend of the show, Michelle Leslie, um, representing the complementarian point of view. Michelle and her husband have been blessed by six wonderful children. She loves being a stay-at-home mom and is a homeschool veteran. She enjoys reading, staying active at church and in women's ministry, spending time with family, and training Christian women to grow in their knowledge of Christ and His Word. And she does this through her blog, michellelesley.com, speaking engagements around the country, and A Word Fitly Spoken, which is a podcast that she co-hosts with Amy Spreeman. She's a very well-known voice in this um, arena, and like I said, she is a friend of the show, and so we really wanted to have her on to discuss this topic and hear her point of view on complementarianism. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Enjoy the interview. So, Michelle Leslie, we want to take a moment to thank you for being on the show. This is such a heavy, heavy topic of complementarianism. So, we want to thank you for A, tackling such a difficult topic, and B, for the honor of having you on here with us. Well, it is my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on today, and I'm looking forward to having a great discussion about this. Yeah, I can't wait. So, let's just go ahead and dive in. So, can you give us a basic overview? of complementarianism and some of its basic supporting arguments? Well, sure, I'd be glad to. Complementarianism is the biblical view that women and men are of equal value and worth in salvation and in creation in the Imago Dei, but that we have different yet equally important roles in marriage and the church. Uh, Complementarian complementarians, it's a big word to say, (laughs) Uh, you know, we embrace the Bible's teaching that women are privileged to portray the relationship of the church to Christ by graciously and joyfully submitting to our husbands in the home. And then we also um, honor and respect the high calling and the unique gifting uh, that women have to disciple other women and to raise up the next generation of godly men and women by discipling our own children and children in the church as well. And because this is such a weighty and arduous responsibility that God has given us, we consider it a blessing that God has not also burdened us with the responsibility of pastoring and preaching to men and and exercising authority over men within the context of the gathering of the church. But rather, we, what we like to do as complementarian women is we want to encourage the men that God have, has given this, uh, this responsibility to lead the church uh, and, and 
encourage them while you know God has left us free and unfettered to be able to carry out the ministry that God has given us to disciple women and children. So that's that's a basic kind of definition of complementarianism there. And uh, basic supporting arguments, well, the whole Bible, actually. Um, the Bible unquestionably uh, and directly teaches in crystal clear passages like Ephesians 5, 22 through 33 and Colossians 3, 18 through 19, that wives are su to submit to their own husbands and that husbands are to love and lead their wives and to give themselves up for her. And then when it comes to the role of women in the church, again, the Bible is crystal clear in direct didactic passages like 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 3, 7, Titus 1, 5 through 9, and lots of other passages as well, that the office of pastor is restricted to biblically qualified men, along with a couple of the functions of that office instructing men in the scriptures and holding authority over men. And of course, this is in the context of the gathering of the church body. Um, so we see that in these direct passages of scripture, but we also see this, this pattern, this general pattern of male headship uh, in God's two foundational institutions, the home and the church, throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And we see it in more indirect ways in a lot of passages. For example, the first human created was a man. The patriarchs, you know, just like the word implies, they were all men. The priests, the Levites, the scribes, all men. Heads of the 12 tribes of Israel, men. Major and minor prophets, men. All of the kings of Israel and Judah, men the Noahic, Abrahamic, Mosaic, and Davidic covenants. They were all established between God and men. All of the authors of scripture were men. The forerunner of Christ, John the Baptist, he was a man. The Messiah himself, he was a man. All of the apostles were men. All of the pastors, elders, and deacons of the churches of the New Testament were men. The founder and head of the church, Christ himself, was a man. The leader and head of the family, men you know so we see this general pattern all you know both directly and indirectly all throughout scripture so that would be the the biblical support for complementarianism so what would you say to, there's a lot of uh i guess societal maybe social issue that people take with complementarianism a lot of people say that it's outdated uh, it just comes from a sexist mindset and is an attempt to subdue women and allow them to fulfill their full potential and just keep them in the home. What do you have to say about that opinion of complementarism? Is there some legitimacy to that? Uh, no, because that's a, a worldly worldview. And, you know, scripture says, do not love the world or the things of this world. And and so that is a worldview that, that we you know, we certainly understand why the world thinks that way, but we can't, you know, jump onto that bandwagon because it's not biblical. Um, when people say that, what they're saying is that the Bible is outdated and sexist because um, the Bible is what teaches this. This isn't a man-made theology or something that people just came up with or something that men came up with just to, to keep women down or anything like that. Their gripe is not with complementarians 
or complementarian theology, their gripe is with God because complementarianism was God's idea, not people's idea. So, um, you know, when you face people who who are pushing back on the idea of uh, male headship in the home, male headship in the church, what you're really facing is people who are pushing back against scripture. And so you've, you're dealing with one of one of two different types of people, a saved person or an unsaved person. Well, if it's an unsaved person, we totally understand why they wouldn't get this and why they would think this is sexist and, and terrible and all of that, because, you know, like 1 Corinthians 2.14 tells us, the, um, the, the natural man does not understand the things of God. That's what it says. It does, he does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So we understand why they think that way, but they don't get to say how Christians are supposed to live. So, um, you know, that's a nice little man-centered theology they have over there, but it doesn't really impact Christians. It's, and it shouldn't. Uh, they don't They don't have the right to tell Christians how to live in their marriages or how to run the church. If you're talking to someone who claims to be a Christian who is pushing back on the idea of complementarianism, well, Christians, <laughs> Christians submit to God's word. We submit to the authority of God's word and we surrender our our thinking and our opinions to God's authority and the authority of Scripture. That's just what Christians do. We strive to align with God's word, not kick against it. And so if you've got someone who's claiming to be a Christian who is kicking against the clear teaching of God's word, whether it's about the roles of men and women in the home and the church, or whether it's about abortion or homosexuality or lying or coveting or gossip or anything, um, that person really needs to do what 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says and examine herself to see if she's truly in the faith. Because <laughs> let me read you a little passage out of 1 John, just a couple of verses. This is 1 John 2, 3 through 5. It says, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. So scripture is crystal clear that it, you know, believers do not persist in sin. And that includes sinful, uh, like man-made theologies um, that, that go against the grain of God's word. Believers don't persist in sin. And people who persist in sin aren't believers. So if you are persisting in a sinful sort of man-centered created theology of your own making uh, against scripture, you really need to do some checking and, and examining of yourself to see whether or not you're truly in the faith, because that is not the fruit of someone who has genuinely been born again. Someone who has genuinely been born again, you know, might struggle with a few things in scripture, but the Holy Spirit indwells someone who has been born again. And, you know, you don't have a spirit that kicks against God's word if you've truly been born again. The Holy Spirit that's within you 
grows you and sanctifies you and helps you to love and embrace God's word. So, um, you know, that's kind of how I would respond to someone who is is saying that it's sexist and whatnot. But first, I'd want to find out if that person claimed to be a Christian or not. If they if they don't claim to be a Christian, what they need is the gospel, not not an explanation of complementarianism or egalitarianism. And if they are saved and they're holding these beliefs, then they they need to be discipled and, and taught. You know, we don't come into Christianity knowing everything and having all of our theology exactly right. We all need to be discipled in a lot of different areas. And and that's one area some people need to be discipled in. I'm actually super happy that you use first John because I'm actually <laughs> going to use second John to okay. uh, present the the opposing view. So egalitarians would say in Colossians 4:15, second John 1:1, 1, 1, Acts 16, Romans 16, you know, we have examples of house churches meeting in affluent women's houses in the early church. So sure. doesn't that present a biblical uh approach to egalitarianism i'm having trouble saying that word just like you <laughs> don't <laughs> you wish they words, had come right? up with easier words for these theology right? yeah so doesn't the biblical <laughs> right doesn't these biblical examples show that women can be pastors no, absolutely not. They're actually arguments for complementarianism. And let me explain why. First of all, conflation is such a plague on the church these days. And that's what this idea is. It's conflation. Um, the church meeting in someone's home doesn't mean that the woman of the home was the pastor or that her example of opening her home to the church what is somehow permission for women today to be pastors and to preach to men and all of that kind of thing. Opening your home for a meeting is not the same as being a pastor. Um, the women in these passages were actually being good complementarians. They were behaving like godly women and doing one of the things that godly women are called to do. And one of the things that godly women do best, and I think are even more gifted for than men in general, in many cases, they manage their homes well enough that they were able to steward them to the glory of God and the benefit of the body by opening up the doors of their homes to the church for the for a place for the church to meet, for a place for pastors to stay and, and things of this nature. They were not preaching. They were not teaching. None of that. They were, they were giving women today an example of how we can serve the church while obeying scripture's admonition to us that we are not to pastor and preach and teach the scriptures to men and hold authority over men in the church. One of the areas where we can serve God and serve the church very well is through hospitality, just like these women we're doing. There are obviously a variety of other ways that we can minister to the church, but this is one of them, hospitality. Um, you know, egalitarians are always trying to use the women of Romans 16 to try to argue that women, you know, supposedly some of these women were pastoring and preaching and teaching and I don't know what. And the and the chapter doesn't say any of that. It says that the women serve the church and, and all of these things. Um, the most that one of them might have been, Phoebe might have been a, a deacon, a deaconess, which just means servant. You know, it's not 
what we typically think of in a lot of churches as the office of deacon. So it just says that these women serve the church and Paul was commending them for that. And I always like to ask egalitarians, you know, why would Paul commend in Romans 16 women who were defying what he wrote in 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 3, 7? You know, it, that doesn't make any sense. Scripture never commends people for sinning. Okay, so that that passage doesn't hold any water. And that's a lot of times their go to passage to try to convince us that that women should be doing all the same things that men are to do in the church, which is just not true. And then Acts 16 uh, is one of the passages that was mentioned. That's the story of Lydia. She's a great example of a godly complementarian woman. Um, you know, the, the reason that she and the other women were meeting down by the river to pray is that in in that time, you needed 10 men in order to set up a synagogue. And there were not 10 men, apparently, uh, who were able, you know, to come together and set up a synagogue. So did Lydia go set up a synagogue? Did Lydia say, hey, I'm I'm going to be a rabbi and I'm going to set up a synagogue? No, she didn't do that. She did what godly women do. They got together and found a place to pray. And then when Paul came in and shared the gospel with her and she got saved and everything, did she say, hey, I'm so glad that, you know, I'm saved. We need to set up a church here and, and I'll be the pastor of it or I'll preach until you can find a pastor or something like that. No, she did not say that at all. What she says in that passage is, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. She's another godly woman who's opening up her home to serve the church and to serve you know, Paul, who was the pastor, the elder, whatever position he was sort of in at that moment. Uh, but she was not taking that authority in that position and that um, that place onto herself. She was serving. So none of those, you know, none of those passages hold any water as far as giving women permission to be pastors, to preach, to instruct men in the scriptures or to hold authority over men. These were godly women who were obeying scripture's instruction in that area. So, yeah. I just want to follow up with that, with that point that you just made. I mean, when the world hears what you just said, they kind of dumb it down to this. Husbands going to their wives and saying, all right, you stay home and you keep cleaning and you manage the <laughs> home and I'm going to go read my Bible and I'm going to go be a pastor of the church while you stay here and manage the home. Is that an extreme version of complementarianism? Is that accurate? I mean, that's what the world is hearing. I mean, it, unless you hear through the Holy Spirit's eyes, unless you understand Scripture as a whole and, and know the heart behind obeying God, I mean, is the world crazy for hearing that? Well, yes, because like I said, like I read First uh, Corinthians two fourteen, they are not able to comprehend the things of God. They are spiritually incapable of wrapping their minds around God's instructions to, in this case, men and women, uh, and understanding that in any any um, qualitative way. 
they, they just can't. They're they're incapable of it. And so, of course, they're going to have a skewed view of, of the things that we believe, not just in this area, but in any area of theology. So, um, yeah, it's not going to make it's not going to make sense to the world, just like, you know, the the gospel is folly to the world until Christ opens the eyes or the Holy Spirit draws a person and opens the eyes of that person to the gospel and saves that person. So, yeah, the, it's totally understandable that the world doesn't get this. And when when non-Christians argue with me about this, I, you know, I try to be understanding and say, look, I know this doesn't make sense to you. I know this sounds ridiculous to you. I know this sounds backwards and oppressive and sexist and misogynistic and whatever. I get that. Now let's talk about the gospel <laughs> because that's the only way. And sometimes I just tell them that's the only way you're going to understand this is if, you know, if Christ saves you and opens your eyes to this. So, yeah, they're they're going to believe weird things about us. And that's totally understandable. I mean, look at the things that the world believed about Jesus and he was perfect. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so we talked a lot about church life and talked about some of these early church ladies who hosted churches in their houses and things like that. So we, I feel like we've sort of set the standards there. Now my interest, and we sort of got into it a little bit with Nick's question. My interest is now, uh, shifting towards the home. So is it also a complementarian belief that women should stay home and take care of the home, take care of the kids while men work, you know, start a business, whatever they do to provide the money and provide protection? Uh, I'm assuming that's the classical complementarian view and if it is, do you think that it is wrong for a woman to be a provider for a home? I think that's something that, well, let me, let me answer your first question first. I think that um, in general, that is the ideal, that the, the wife would stay home and take care of the home and the children, and the husband would be the one to go out and work and provide. And... Um, you know, I, I think that's something worthy and worth striving for and and that that most married couples should probably try to attain that ideal. There are a lot of married couples who just assume that the wife has to work. I mean, when I was a newly married young woman and pregnant with my first child, uh, it, it didn't even occur to me that I could stay home and be a wife and mother. I mean, I was prepared to go back to work after my 12 weeks of maternity leave. And when that baby came and I saw her, I just couldn't leave her. And so God kind of used that in my particular situation to show me that I needed to, to be at home, you know, and stop working full time and be a full time wife and mother. And that has been the biggest blessing in my life so much more than any uh, job or career or ministry could ever have been is, is to have, to stay at home and tend to my husband, my children, and my home. <clears throat> and so um, I, I really do think scripture points us that way as the ideal that we should, uh, wives should stri strive to manage their households and the husbands really are responsible, the ones who are responsible for financially supporting um, the family and, and, and taking care of us in that way. Um, 
the I would not say that it is wrong for any woman to ever set foot outside the home and work. I mean, everybody will, you know, at this point in the conversation, everybody always says, look, what about the Proverbs 31 woman? Um, of course, she is a great example. She's an ideal as well and, and a great example to all of us who strive to be godly women. Um, she did business, and but most of what she did was out of her home. And so, um, but uh, some of that has to do with the culture of the time as well. Um, So I would say that generally speaking, the ideal is for a woman to stay home, uh, especially when her children are young and focus all of her energy on keeping her home and serving her husband and her children. However, there are people in different situations, people in different seasons of life, like the season of life I'm in right now is that my children, most of my children are grown. We've only got two still left at home and they're, you know, 19 and 20. So they're working full time. They're about to move out as well. And so I don't have, you know, I don't have homeschooling to do anymore. I don't have child rearing to do anymore. I'm not potty training anymore. I'm not doing those kinds of things anymore. And so once they move out, that will, you know, what do I do to fill my day? There's only so many things you can dust until you're finished dusting and, and vacuuming and all of that. And uh, and besides, Scripture tells us uh, also, I believe it's in first. I want to say first Timothy five that, uh, you know, that we're not to be idlers, you know, we're to do something constructive with our time and something that that ministers to others and and fulfills uh, what, you know, the good works that God has prepared for us to do. So there are different seasons in life. Maybe when a woman is first married and doesn't have any children, that it would be appropriate for her to work outside the home, maybe after all of her children are grown, because uh, she could spend some time working outside the home. I, I would, I really don't want to make a blanket statement about it's always wrong or it can always be right, because it's, it really is one of those case by case uh, basis types of things. A part-time job for a woman like me uh, in my situation where, you know, I've got an empty nest or whatever, it might be right for me, but not right for another woman who's exactly the same age as I am, who's also, you know, in an empty nest situation. So um, it, it really, it's something that all couples need to pray about, search the word about, maybe get some pastoral counsel about, and really determine in their hearts that what they want to do is to please God and and work it work out their own salvation with fear and trembling in that area and and according to scripture and prayerfully. So that would be my answer on that one. Yeah, I do want to take a moment and say, women, if you're listening or if you're watching here, we don't want to give you the wrong idea and say, just clean 24-7 of your life and you fulfill the role <laughs> of scripture. If you know anything about Michelle Leslie, if you've done just 30-second research, you'll find that this woman takes the word extremely seriously. And she does, you know, she does her own expositing. She does her own teaching for women. She opens up her Bible daily. In fact, every single day, she's fulfilling the role of her home. But she is supporting that role with Scripture day in and day out with local church going with um you know you're involved in the SBC as well you know you have your your role there as well so there's a lot going on so women if you're listening 
you don't have to just sit there and clean, even though we understand our roles. The, the men work hard, the women work hard. That's why it's complementary. We both right. work hard and we both support each other, understanding where our roles divide. However, we both have a responsibility to stay focused on God's Word and study ourselves approved. So don't be content with just cleaning and not reading because then you're not doing your job. Um, we're right. all supposed to be doing our job. It's like men going to work and supply, supplying the wife's financial needs and not diving into Scripture, not praying, not worshiping God, not spending time in a local church. You're only doing a quarter of what God has called you to do. So I definitely want to take the moment to talk to those people listening. Don't get discouraged at different roles. We have one thing in common, and that's we need to take God seriously. Um, We just do it in different ways. Absolutely. Um, And can I just just interject here, too? Yeah, of course. That I, you know, I I have a, a... ministry that takes up a good deal of time now, but I wasn't doing this when my children were little and I have six children. And so that took up all of my time when they were young and I, you know, they were needing diapers changed and needing bottles and needing food, you know, lunch, just making lunch was a huge task, you know? And, uh, and so I wasn't doing all the things then that I'm doing now. And so it's, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about, about different seasons of your life. And I, I just want to, you know, encourage the ladies to remember you can't do everything. Um, you you can't keep your focus where it needs to be on your family and raising your children, especially, and try to do, you know, fifteen other different things to even even a lot of uh, roles that you might want to take on in the church, teaching Sunday school or you know doing something in women's ministry or serving on the hostess committee or something, you may have to say no to a lot of those things to keep your focus on your family where it needs to be in a particular season. So don't, um, don't take that burden onto your shoulders of, I have to do everything. Keep your priorities lined up where they need to be according to God's word, according to, um, what you've prayed through and everything. And, um, according to your family's, your particular family's needs, you know, your, your family's needs are different from my family's needs and my family's needs are different from somebody else's family's needs. And so we have to ask God to give us the wisdom to, um, steward and manage and love the families that he has given us and to keep our focus on them until, such time as God gives us more free time to do other things in service to the church or in service to the greater body of Christ. Yeah, and I do want to say one more thing, too. I think the issue that people have with complementarianism is that in their brain, they have this this picture painted of a man sitting on a recliner chair with his feet up and a woman serving him food and dinner and breakfast Oh, would you like anything else? Would you like me to do anything? Do you want me to massage your feet? And in reality, (laughs) that is not the picture of complementarianism. And that is not even what the word itself means. So I know we spent a lot of time speaking about women during this episode. But I do want to take like 10 seconds to talk to the man as well. As hard as a woman needs to work to support what the Bible tells them to do in their life, the man needs to work just as hard. This is not the wife serves you 24-7 and you do nothing. No, you better be a man on fire for God's word. 
you better be working hard to supply your family's needs. And you better be aiding your wife in whatever help she needs to support her own uh, worth. It's, it's your job as a husband to make your wife feel appreciated for all the things she does and loved and wanted and, and godly. So I just want to take a moment to talk to the men. This is not all about women. This is also about you. That's right. Absolutely. And if I could just add a little bit, too, I was noticing as I was going over my notes for this interview and going over the scriptures that I was going to mention and everything. And uh, I was noticing something that never really had jumped out at me as strongly before in the Ephesians 5 and the Colossians 3 passages I mentioned earlier about women or wives submitting to their own husbands. You know, what it says in those passages for the men is it doesn't say husbands provide for your wives. It doesn't say husbands do this or do that. It says husbands love your wives and give yourselves up for them as Christ gave himself up for the church. And I just thought that was very interesting that that God could have said, husbands, you need to lead. You need to you need to provide, you need to manage, you need to do this, that, or the other. But no, he said, you need to love your wives and give yourself up for her. And that's that really encompasses everything that a husband needs to do because it loving someone is to do what is best for that person. And so if you're loving your wife, you will go out and provide for her. If you're loving your wife, you won't treat her like a doormat, you know? So it's, it, I just thought that was very interesting that, that scripture places the emphasis on love your wives and give yourself up for her. Agreed. Agreed. Nobody gets out. All right. So I have one more theological question for you um, okay. before we call it a wrap. And that is uh, Galatians 3.28. Uh, and this passage says that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So doesn't this very verse say that there's no distinction in male and female, that we're all the same, and that just deals a death blow to complementarianism? No, it doesn't. And as a matter of fact, just as an, a little aside here, um, I've written a series of articles on the passages that deal with the role of women in the church. And I wrote an article on this very passage. As a matter of fact, this was the the first passage I wrote an article on in this this series uh, because it's it's so you know it's the it's the only scriptural support that egalitarians have for their their view, and it's completely ripped out of context. Uh, but if if uh, anybody would like to read the article that I've written on Galatians three twenty eight, it's called "Rock Your Role." all things being equal. So love to have you come over to my blog, michellelesley.com and, and give that a read. But just to sum that article up a little bit and to sum up what this passage is about, um, I would, I would say if, don't let me convince you, be convinced by scripture, head on over to the book of Galatians, read the whole book. It's very short, but really if, if you don't have time to read the whole book, at least read all of chapter three. It'll take you about five or 10 minutes. And that's all you have to do to see that Galatians, or yeah, Galatians 3.28, that one verse, is has nothing to do with the role of women in the church. 
Galatians 3 is just this beautiful uh, showcase that Paul puts on for his theme of justification by faith. You know, Paul, he starts out, he reminds the Galatians that they were saved by faith, uh, not by works of the law. Paul explains that the law came with a curse attached to to it for those who disobeyed it. But Christ redeemed us from that curse. Uh, And in fact, that the whole purpose of the law was to teach us that we can't keep it and to push us to faith in Christ as our only hope for salvation. So you see, I'm talking about a, a lot about the law. I'm talking a lot about salvation. Isn't this passage about women being equal to men and that women can do anything men can do? No, it's not. And you'll see that if you read the whole chapter of Galatians 3. And that's really where um, the wheels completely fall off of the egalitarian argument. The entirety of Galatians chapter 3 is about salvation by faith instead of works. It says nothing about women serving in the same roles as men in the church. Nothing, not a zip, zero, nothing. Um, but it tells us something much, much better than that. Something that is, it would have been far more precious to the women of that time, and it should be far more precious to women today uh, than we really realize. <clears throat> what it's saying is that anyone, anyone, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter how God created you, anyone can come to Christ in repentance and faith, Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, all are welcome. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Praise God. No one is more important than any other person. We are all equally saved. We are all equally loved. We are all equally forgiven of our sin. And we are all equally precious in God's eyes. And in a time when this book was written, Women were considered less important than men in nearly every way, less intelligent, uh, less valuable, less important. And so this, you know, imagine you're a woman in that time hearing this. There is neither male nor female in Christ. You are all, you know, equally loved, equally valued, equally saved. Your, Your salvation, madam, isn't any lesser than your husband's salvation. And so what a treasure that is really in in Galatians 3 that that we find. But equality and salvation does not translate to equality in church roles or roles in the home either. Uh, And it's that conflation coming in again, you know, salvation and uh, equality and salvation doesn't equal or has nothing to do with really the roles in the home and in the church. Um, And think of it this way, you know, also in the church, in the Galatian church at the time, you might have had a king and a pauper who were both members of that same church. They, you know, they would worship side by side. They were both equally valuable in the church and equally loved and everything. But when it came to the role of giving, the church would not have expected the pauper to give the same amount that the king gave. They were both valued members of the church, but they both had a different role when it came to something like giving. And that's the same kind of idea here. Men and women equally, you know, equally created in God's eyes, equally saved, equally forgiven, uh, equally members of the church, but just different roles. And the role of women in the church is absolutely crucial to the health of the church. And we see this 
<clears throat> excuse me, when when we see women pursuing the role of men instead of striving to be godly women. Um, I'm working through the book of Titus right now. And uh, a lot of uh, most women probably know, you know, Titus two, three through five, that's the good complementarian passage to go to that, that the older women are to teach the younger women to, you know, be keepers at home and, and all of this other good stuff. And it's, it is a great passage, but taking that small little passage out of the greater context of this pastoral epistle, where it talks about uh, just a variety of different things and and the importance of of each church member really and the role that we're to play and the character that we're to have you when you study that more deeply and study it in the wider broader context of chapter two and the entire book of Titus you see how valuable the role of women is and how crucial it is to the health of the church so I don't want to get off on Titus we're talking about Galatians but but this is this is the thing, you know, in both of these passages, um, the context of the passage is so crucial to see what the these verses that we cherry pick out, uh, whether you're an egalitarian picking out Galatians 3.28 or a complementarian picking out Titus 2, 3 through 5. It is crucial to look at these things in their context. So we see the entire um, counsel of what God wants to teach us through these passages. So context, 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 so important. All right. Well, uh, I want to thank you for answering those tough questions. Um, I don't know many people who would love to talk about this topic. Um, so <laughs> I'm probably one of the few. <laughs> yeah, right. It's definitely much appreciated. Um, so let's just have... Let's let's have some fun and, and and answer to the critics just for 20 okay. seconds. I mean, I I can't wait for the comments to start rolling in on on this video here. And so they the will. people watching, the people watching that are saying, "Hey Michelle, if you were consistent with your belief, you wouldn't even be on the show right now teaching on a topic with two men." How do you respond to that uh scripturally? Okay, well, first of all, the the teaching on the role of women in the church, it's its the role of women in the church. You know, it's, it's right there in that phrase. The the teaching in, in uh, about women in Titus and 1 Timothy 2, the, the ones that I've talked about today, these are in what I mentioned, pastoral epistles. That's what they're called. So these are, uh, this is the teach, the God's sort of instruction manual or policy and procedure manual to pastors about how to run the church. We're not in church. This is a podcast, right? I mean, I don't see anybody getting baptized. Nobody has offered me communion. Uh, I haven't joined any, you know, membership kind of thing with you guys. I just met y'all today, right? <laughs> so this is not the church. This is a discussion. And furthermore, this is your podcast. So you're in, in charge of it. You're the one in authority here. And you're asking me questions and I'm just answering them. So this is not, yeah, I get that a lot. This is not a sermon. I am not teaching or preaching. I'm sure you guys already knew everything I said, you know, talked about today, all the scriptures and everything. So, um, yeah, that that doesn't wash. This is not the church. The instruction is in the context of the gathering of the church body. This isn't the church. If you know anything about me, though, I love asking the hard questions. 
That's um, fine. I love the hard questions. And, and I love answering critics before they even try to start typing. Me too. So we can, we can just get it out there. This is not a church, people. Women have the right, right to talk on podcasts. And we are sure to be honored to have Michelle Leslie here. Um, and we encourage you, especially the women, because she has some solid biblical teaching on her website. If they want to know more about you, if they want to read your blogs or all the other stuff that you have going on, where can they find you? They can find everything they need to know about me, social media, articles, uh, the information about my podcast and everything on my blog, michellelesley.com. It's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-L-E-S-L-E-Y.com. Yes, and we do encourage you to please go there, check her stuff out. And of course, if you never interacted with the Bible Dingers page, make sure you go on BibleDingers.com. We are Bible Dingers across the board, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You could find us with a one and only. I promise you, if you find another Bible Dingers, you come at, at me and tell me I'm a liar. Um, and of course, <laughs> we appreciate all of you listening today, and we encourage you to please uh, prayerfully support us on Patreon. Uh, we are 100% funded by you guys. And everything we do is funded by our Patreon. So patreon.com slash Bible Dingers. But of course, this is about Michelle. Michelle, thank you so much for the privilege of being on the show. And we do hope that this is a continued relationship and we have you on many more times. That would be great. I had a wonderful time and I love talking about stuff like this. So just anytime y'all have my email address, just drop me an email and we'll do it again. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, thank you, Michelle. 